Turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Heaven part 2. Of course, Paul said, I was caught up into the third heaven. So, uh, we're not going to get to that one. <laughs> Somebody asked, which part is this? I said, it's a good part, as if there could ever be a bad part of heaven. Um, Paul takes time here in his second, third letter, really, to the Corinthians to address issues concerning heaven. And these are important issues, uh, for this is where the believer will spend eternity. And we need to get ready for that. I have a book in my office um, it's a, I don't know, the Puritan, it's a Puritan book, and you know the Puritans write, and they write, and they write, and it's all in small print, and, and uh, just gives you a headache reading it, but it's so glorious. It's the Believer's Everlasting Rest, and it is about 800 pages on heaven, and how we should think and dwell and fix our minds and hearts upon that which will be eternal. Now you think, well, I, you know, I have to get up and go to work tomorrow, Rand. i got to fix my mind on that. Well, not tomorrow, but the next day. Well, yes, you need to be attentive to the things of this world, but this is not our home. This is only where we will spend 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. It pales in comparison to eternity, which for the believer is where we will spend eternity, that is heaven. And we need to be ready for that. We need to fix our minds upon those things which are eternal. And Paul is helping us with that here. So let's if, stand if you're able as I read the word of God. It will be 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I will read verses 1 through 10. Heavenly Father, come upon us with your spirit and open our eyes to this word. Fix it in our minds and our hearts. Lord, that we would have clear understanding. That we would live Because this is true, we would live like our home is really in heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight, we are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is God's inspired word for us today, so please be seated. Just to review where we were last week, we started, just got through the first verse, and to kind of warm us up for heaven, uh, Christians should have no fear of death. 
We may not like the process of death, but we should have no fear what happens when we close our eyes in death because it is simply a blink and we will be before the Lord. And because he has called us and sealed us, he will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We should long for heaven, not long necessarily to be away from this world as long as the Lord has business for us to do, that we might serve him and further the kingdom and present the gospel. But the real longing of our heart should be for home. And this is not home. We are simply pilgrims here, and we're passing through a short period relative to eternity, although not having any idea about eternity because my mind is finite. How can I think of something that goes on forever and ever? Yet that is where we will be. Those are the promises of our Lord. Now, we can't really fix our minds upon it unless we fix our minds upon the place where heaven is revealed to us, and that is in the Word. So we must spend our time reading and preparing. And amongst all the other things that we do, we should not neglect preparing our hearts and our minds for the things that wait for us in heaven. And if we fail to do that and we hold so tightly to this world that I never want to go, we will be afraid and and not want to pursue heaven. But yet if our real treasures are there, where there are no moths and no rust and no thieves to break in and steal, then we will long for those places. We will long for that new city that the Lord has prepared for us. Paul is dealing with this issue in particular, this Christian hope, uh, what happens at the point of death. And um, what makes Paul write in this letter? All of a sudden he deals with heaven and he talks about his view of this body and, and, and how he is clothed here and how he will be clothed in heaven. Odds are there is some false teaching in Corinth, probably from outsiders that are coming in, and he needs to address that to set the Corinthians right, to make sure that they are focused on what is right, what is true doctrine, what is the true word of God. And Paul naturally goes right at it. And remember, Paul is the man who said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, as if you could You know, to live is Christ, and could there be something better than to live and receive Christ? Well, apparently heaven is better than this world, and having Christ here, we will stand before him and see him face to face, no longer through the glass dimly. For better to depart and be with Christ, that is Paul's mindset and the way he looks at it. He faced death as a preferable alternative, and therefore he has no fear of death before him. Remember, he says, he says, I know if I'm here, he says to the Philippians, I'm here to serve you, but really, I'd rather be with the Lord. Okay, I'd rather be with the Lord. So he remembers the Bible promises resurrection to believers. Paul rejoices at this, and he looks forward to this, forward to this. Paul hoped, and we see in some of the writings, because the return of Christ is soon, Now, that was soon in the first century as well. So Paul, not having complete knowledge of what the Lord was doing, only because only the Father knows when he will send Christ back, he said soon. So Paul was kind of looking forward in his lifetime to be taken up to be with the Lord, but that was not to be. Um, So he says, in this earthly tent, he says, I have this tent here in which we live. Um, Turn with me to John chapter 1. Let's have a little idea, uh, give us a better idea about this. The Gospel of John, chapter 1.
Paul says in, in, you go to John chapter 1, I just reiterate verse 5 of chapter 1, for we know, and, and that's not we guess or we wish, that is a no, it is a settled, it is foundational, Paul says, because there are other words he could have used there, we hope, now in the hope that Paul hopes for relative to Christ is a hope that is based on fact, But here he says, we know, it is a definite no. So we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house. Now, interesting word, tent. Um, We see here uh, in John chapter 1, verse 14, this is the word becoming flesh. This is Christ coming to dwell in this world. He says, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, if you have a pew Bible, you'll notice that there's a little A right in front of dwelt, and that refers to that word under at the end of verse 14 that is in italics, tabernacled, okay, tabernacled. That means to be temporary. If you remember that as they wandered through the, the desert, they had a temporary place for the Lord to come and to dwell, and the Lord would come and tabernacle with his people as they wandered through the desert. Now, the same thing is true here in a sense that Jesus comes and he tabernacles, he tents with us. A tent is what? Well, it's uh, temporary, it's flimsy, uh, it's easily blown by a storm. Uh, I remember uh, camping out in in Wyoming and and the wind came up and you could see tents going across because they hadn't set them properly. And it just blew the tent and it would run, you know, roll away because the wind was blowing. That's the image that we get here. It's fragile. Okay? So he says, Christ came and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, a tent is transient, temporary, insecure. Turn, uh, work you a little bit. Turn over to Second Peter, okay, and we'll get another image of this. Second Peter, chapter one. Tent belongs to somebody who wanders. A tent belongs to somebody who's only there for a little bit, who's going to pull up stakes and go. Christ came and he tabernacled among us for thirty-ish years. He was here, and then he is with the Father to return at the Father's good pleasure in the fullness of time. Well, Paul knew about tents because his side job was a tent maker. So he understood their temporariness. So he uses that as an illustration to say that this body, this tent that we have here, and he refers to his body as a tent. Look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses uh, 13 and 14. He says, And I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. So again, this earthly dwelling, it's the same type of word that he's talking about, this temporary dwelling. So Paul says, back in 2 Corinthians 5, for we know that if this earthly tent is our house, is torn down, that's talking about being torn down, it's talking about death, we have a building from God. Now he didn't say we have another tent from God, we have a building. So what do we know about buildings? Well, buildings are built on a foundation, okay? And if you kept track of that foundation across the street and what went into that, you know that the right fill had to go into that. And then they packed it down. They ran those big machines over it again and again and again for days and days. They put layers and layers in there. And then when they were happy with it, then they came in and 
poured cement, concrete. And what do we know about that? It's pretty hard. Okay. And then they put some stone in. And then they poured more as a foundation, as a slab that's in there. So that's why to build a building that doesn't move, that doesn't go away, that stays. 200 years from now, we hope that this will be here. 200 years from now, we hope that that will be here. Okay? It stays. But Paul is not talking about here a building from God that's only going to be here for 200 years. The building from God is an eternal building that will be fit for an infinite number of years in the presence of our Lord. So Paul is saying, we have this tent, this flesh. It's here, it's temporary. He says, but I long for the building from God. I long for that body that will be imperishable, that will be fit for all eternity, that will be made by the hands of heaven, that is eternal. Okay? It's not the physical body, it is the glorified body that he's talking about. And that glorified body is what we find in heaven. Okay? I want a building that's not like the one that I have in this life. I want a permanent building. I want a fixed building. A building made by God eternal in heaven. Now, we all know the frailty of this body. Last uh, Saturday, not yesterday, but the Saturday before, just in the yard digging. Okay, Everybody digs in their yard. Plant bushes, it's no big thing, right? So the wheelbarrow is over here, and I stick the shovel in, and I go like this, and I go, oh, okay. <laughs> it is, no, how many times in my life have I dug and flipped dirt like that? And I went, oh. So I said, well, I'll go walk around. Oh, I walked around. I felt much better. Okay, so I went back to digging. Naturally, right? I'm a man. Uh, so, uh, but it didn't hurt, didn't hurt too much until I got in the shower, and I tried to wash my foot. Oh, I'm in the shower. So I'm still affected by that. And it's just a little thing. What, does my back hurt? Yes. Okay, how feeble are we? How frail are we? How easily do we get hurt? We think, oh, no, we're tough. Oh, these bodies are weak. We all have had sickness. We've all been touched by things. You get a cold and you, you long, you, you got a cold and you feel awful. And you long for the day when you won't have a cold anymore. You forget what it's like to feel normal. Not to have your nose run and feel like you just want to crawl into bed and pull the covers over you and make the world go away. Okay? That's our body that we have now. The body that we will have that is a building built with the hands of God is a, is a body that will never be touched by disease. You'll never hurt your back in heaven. Okay? In worship, you know, they'll, they'll, you'll throw your hands up in worship and never throw your shoulder out. It'll be great. Okay? A, a body that is built for eternity. Not built for 75 or 78 years, but built for eternity. Now, frankly, I can't even comprehend it. I can say the words. I know that it's true. But I I can't comprehend a body that's like that. Because it's simply out of my experience. It's out of anything that we see in this physical world. Because we are tense. But we have a building that waits for us. We have a building that is waiting for us. Turn back a couple pages to 1 Corinthians 15. This body that awaits us is why Paul could look at death and not be afraid. Is why... 
Paul could long for the things of heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, go to verse 35. Paul is is talking in, in in this chapter, and particularly the second half of this chapter, he's talking about this body. I won't read it all to you. If you've been to a, a, a graveside at a funeral, you have probably heard the words uh, from verse 50 uh, on. Uh, verse 35, though, but some will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? Paul says, you fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now, Paul goes on here and to use a couple illustrations about things that die and that must to, that must, in order to live, that must die. Take a tulip bulb. Okay, tulip bulb. What's it look like? It's all about that round. It's kind of brown, nondescript. You put it in the ground, and what comes out of it? This, this flower with these fabulous colors upon it. Okay, and, and it has, the flowers have no connection logically with what the bulb looked like. The bulb is brown and nondescript and these flowers come out that are beautiful and burst with color. The same thing is true when you put an acorn. You get an acorn. What relationship does that acorn have with that oak tree that is huge, that is giant, that stands for years and years and years? No real tie if you just look at the two of them. That's what our bodies are like. Look at your body now. Okay? And you're, you're looking at it and you're looking at oh, my, my liver spots or whatever. You're looking at your hands. You look down and, and maybe you suck it in a little bit. Whatever it is, okay? Your eternal body bears no resemblance to this. Now, there is some, some resemblance, okay? But understand, remember when Jesus, in his risen body, met a few people? He was mistaken for the gardener by one. He went and he's out there cooking, and they don't know who he is for a while. He's along the road in Luke, and he's talking to these guys, and they don't recognize him, although they know that he has the appearance of a human, but there is something distinct about him until their eyes are open to who he was. So our bodies will have some resemblance here, but how can we tie in a tent and a building that is fixed? Okay, There are some resemblances, but you know, that tent sure looks feeble next to a building that's designed to last for all eternity. And this is what Paul longs for. Back to chapter 5. He longs for this. He says, I long to be clothed, really overclothed in this. For indeed, in this house, verse 2, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. And as much as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked... Now, naked here means outside the grace. If we should die without that, that fixed salvation in our lives that comes only from Christ, that's the same as sense of being found naked, found in shame, no covering. And Paul says, I'm not worried about that. I have a covering that is eternal in heaven because the Lord has done that in my life. Okay? And there are two things here that he says. Go to verse 5. Now, he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Now, this is, this is a great word here. 
Now, he who prepared us, he who equipped us, and we did not equip ourselves, but that equipment, that preparation comes from the Lord. The Lord has done this, and he has given to us to guarantee this, the Holy Spirit, as a pledge to remind us of this. What did we read this morning together? 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. There's no tent language in that inheritance. It's all building language. It's all permanent language. It's all language that says the heavenly, our Heavenly Father has made this with his hands. And it is kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is what the Lord does for us. Now, Paul maintains the certain attitude no matter what his circumstances are. Therefore, verse 6, always, being always of good courage... Not just when things are going well, but always of good courage. And knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body than to be at home with the Lord. He says we're of good courage no matter what we face. We know that we're temporary here. We know we're going to face things. And there are plenty of illustrations from Scripture and other places where Paul says we suffer. I've been shipwrecked. I've been beat. I've been stoned. All these things. He says, I know what we go through in this tent. But there's a building waiting for me. Okay. There is a building waiting for me. How do we know this? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. And even though we prefer to be in that building, the Lord has placed us here in this world that we might carry out his purposes for whatever time he places us here for. So Paul looks forward to this, verse 9, Therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. To be pleasing to him. Whether we are in this world and whether we are suffering or whether we are under persecution or whether we are simply working out the things of Christ in this world and presenting the gospel, we are here, but we long to be with our Heavenly Father. Now, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, if you just read that by itself, you might get the impression that we're going to be judged in our salvation based upon what we do, whether good or bad. But that's not quite the case. It's not in conflict with what we find earlier, for we walk by faith and not by sight, or Ephesians, we are saved by grace through faith, which says, not of works, lest any man should boast. What these deeds are, these deeds that are done by the Christian, these are deeds that are done either for the glory of Christ or for selfish motives. And when we stand before the Lord, we will be, in a sense, judged according to those deeds. We won't be judged by our salvation because that has been won by Christ. We will stand before the Lord and either we'll have, as Paul mentions in other places in in Corinthians, either we will have works of gold and silver and precious gems, which to lay at the feet of Christ, 
as deeds which were done for his glory, or we will have works of wood, hay, and stubble. And we will not be able to lay those at the feet of Christ because they will be burned up through the fires of judgment. So when we get to heaven, we'll either have those things which are pleasing to the Lord to give to him, or we will come up empty-handed. It's not a judgment of salvation. It's a judgment of the deeds that we have done with what the Lord has given to us. Now, Paul writes this, and this is one of the few places that Paul gives us a glimpse of heaven, and we need to make sure that we understand. Nowhere does he mention that there is a place of pseudo-existence, a place of waiting, uh, or anything like that. He talks about the moment of being in this world and then in death being with the Lord. Christ told the thief on the cross, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say later on, he said today. Now there is no what we call soul sleep or anything like that. When we moment we blink our eyes in death, they are opened and there is Christ before us. For the believer, death initiates face-to-face communion with Christ. No intermediate state, no waiting, no hanging out somewhere. Face-to-face communion with Christ. At death, we finally get to go home, where we belong. We don't belong here. This is just a place that the Lord has put us that we might give him glory and serve him. But we were created for eternity with our Heavenly Father. And for those who are in Christ, those who have received him as Lord and Savior, that eternity is secured by the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's... It is foreign to us to some degree that our hearts should long to be in a place that we've never been, that we should long to take on a body that we really don't understand, that we should desire to only be in this world as long as necessary, as long as you see fit, that our real home is with you that Christ has gone to prepare a place for us. And because he has gone to prepare a place for us, he will return once again to take us with him, that we might be with him for all eternity. These are concepts which your, your word states plainly and states as fact. But to us, Lord, to we who are finite, to we who still have vestiges of sin within us, even though our hearts belong to Christ, we still have a tie to this world and we fully don't understand that our hearts should long for our real home. Heavenly Father, if there be anyone here today who's wrestling with issues such as that, I pray that you would bring them comfort. Fix upon their hearts and their minds these things of your word. That even though we cannot understand all these things, we rest in you and the fact that you have prepared a place for those whom you called by name, adopted as sons, and given eternal life to through the work of Christ. That there is a place for us, there is a body for us that is fit for all eternity, imperishable. 
never touched by disease, never touched by sorrow, not influenced by anger or jealousy or hostility or anything like that, but a body that is fit for worship and service in your presence for all eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn is 411, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Let's stand as we sing 411.